Hi again, and welcome to It's Not Rocket Science, five questions over coffee. That's far too many words to say uh, after you've had too much coffee. So let's just get straight into it. I'm here today with Rob. Uh, Rob Jollies. Rob is uh, is going to give us some great tips, I know, today. Rob's got a fantastic website. I've, I've been on, had a look at some of the stuff he talks about, uh, about how authentic uh, you need to be. So, Rob, uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Five Questions Over Coffee. Uh, looking forward to the conversation very much indeed. Well, I'm ready for the challenge, Stuart. Hit me. <laughs> Let's see what we can do to challenge you then. So just tell us in a few sentences what your ideal client uh, problem challenge they have that you try and sort of help them to solve. Yeah, you know, I, I in a sense, and I, I have two clients, and I think we all have two clients. We have our client and then the client that client serves. So my clients, when I thought about thinking about your question, uh, first client is I'm a sales trainer. I typically teach sales to your classic sales groups, financial industry, things like that. But I wrote a book called uh, How to Change Minds, which brought me into hostage negotiators, polygraph examiners, police departments, nurses, hospitals. That's my client. I'm trying. I teach persuasion. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they um, the biggest challenge they have is a lot of times it's budget. And, and it's real odd in my industry. When business is bad and they need a sales trainer, instinctively, they don't have the budget for it. When business is great and product is flying off the shelf, now they have the budget. They don't really need me as much. I'm happy to, to take their phone call. It's odd. It should be complete opposite. You bring in a sales trainer when things are, when you're struggling. But I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to kind of get them on the right side of that issue. But Stuart, that's one client. The other client that I believe I serve are the people that they're selling to. And mm -hmm. as a Xerox, former Xerox guy, we call that the end user, person who's using the box. And it's important that when I'm teaching uh, salespeople is ethical. Uh, it's not manipulative. It, under, it, it focuses on the fact that people will struggle to make change and you're going to have to ask more difficult, difficult questions, but getting into the whys and the hows. So those are kind of my 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 two clients, if you will, that struggle. Rob, I love I love the idea. I mean, we could talk for many hours about the fact that too many business owners, too many businesses, when their things are going well, fail to dig the well that they need when the rain stops. There are so many business out there that that just forget the fact that things might change. And you know, I love the I love the analogy you you put there about you know the time that they need a sales trainer is when they're in real trouble. But you know, for me, I love hearing about sales trainers who talk about ethics because it's such a sales is is given such a dirty dirty word nowadays. But in actual fact, it is all about ethics. It's about helping people at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know something, it's not always pretty. You know, people don't understand that. I mean, the easy thing to say is, and the tagline on one of my books is the art of influence without manipulation. So I'll draw a line and show them. But, but Stuart, really, sometimes sales, you get your hands dirty. In other words, I do have to ask questions that don't always make you feel great listening to them. That's my responsibility. So what I've tried to do in the second half of my career is not necessarily drill down on, you know, how to do this. Believe me, I'll tell you how. But I think we in the sales training industry have a responsibility to teach people why we're doing this yeah. so good, that they understand so, so that I don't just lay a process on you. But let's look at why. Great. Love it. 
and and so that sort of takes me to the second question, Rob, which is, what are the common mistakes people make when they're trying to solve that problem with without help? Well, it's odd because you're talking to an author, right? And I'm very proud of my books, etc. But I hope no one's listening. But but one of the issues is I think they're reading too many books. I really do. I think people think I, I've met sales managers who have proudly told me I have my team reading a different book each month. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So you're basically teaching them golf lessons and you're changing the golf pro every month. Let's assume all the golf pros are good for a moment. They're certified. They're, good. they're all good. But what would your swing look like 12 months later with 12 dif different golf pros? So I think one of the biggest issues is, and it's like I say, it's tough for a guy who writes books to, to look my client in the face and say, if you have a process that's repeatable and predictable and you're implementing that process, I don't think you want to read my book. Don't read my book. There's There are plenty of other clients out there, but they struggle with that. They want to listen to different tapes, so they listen to, you know, watch different videos. And I would I would prefer that they stick with the pro they have. And we're not done, by the way. And demand from that pro, okay, I've, I've taken your lessons. Now what? Help me implement. Yeah. Help me work this strategically. Yeah. I've got the process down. But get better at what, master what you're doing. Stop jumping off the ship. Yeah, it is. It is a it's a tough lesson, isn't it? The, the 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 fact is that that going back to the golf swing, you can you can you can watch as many YouTube's as you YouTube videos as you like, but until you actually get out on the course or into the driving range and practice, 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 and work out what's going wrong, you do not improve, and that's so often what's going wrong in so many people's sales and marketing businesses is that they they just don't just don't try and repeat. And, and have a repeatable system that actually they've worked through and fine-tuned. Yeah, and, and I know that because my background yeah. is as a, as a research scientist, and I actually thought that because I was taught when I was a scientist to have a repeatable process in order to get to an end result, that, that when I went into the world of business, I had to throw that away because business people didn't have those. They were all flying off the cuff and they were trying to do things differently. And, and, and I, it took me a long time to come back and realize, actually, what I learned about having repeatability was the key to having business success. Yeah. And, and Stuart, um, sometimes it's not all your fault. Uh, I wrote a piece one time called Shoot the Sales Trainer. Remember, I'm a sales trainer, but it's mistakes I've made too. I think that we fall in love when we, we when we have a process. And thank goodness, already I'm, I'm giving a gold star to those that motivation and inspiration is nice, but actually have a process. Uh, but when we teach it, a lot of times, how, you know, conventionally, we teach the process. It kind of feels like a straitjacket. And if that doesn't feel like a straitjacket enough for you, then we're going to role play it in a straight jacket. We want every piece hit, everything hit. Um, we'll, we'll count you off if you miss a piece within the process. And I'm not saying that at, at some point we can't listen for all the steps in the process, but what happens? Why aren't we leaping off those role plays to case studies where we allow people to strategically pick through the process, which is really just a path to walk on and let them learn how to strategically use the process, maybe even move to simulations, which is utopia to me, which are role plays that have multiple endings and repercussions. Uh, but normally we don't get that far. So, so we're, we're talking about the biggest pushback. One of them is while we're training people, people think we're putting them in a box. We're, 
we're reinforcing that by role, by having management sit there with a, 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 a job aid and tick every mark that they're making. And I love when we can get to let people out there and, and let them work through case studies and answer questions like, uh, looking at this case study, what don't you need that you learn today? And, and really give them the freedom to use that model. That's how we teach it and keep it taught. Just, just we got, we've got a comment that's come in from Alfred, and Alfred was on the podcast a, a little while ago. Alfred sort of said it's, it's easy to start, but it's much harder to follow through and incorporate the learning in your actions. I think it's a really key point that that so many times people people start doing something, but but they don't they don't necessarily keep learning from what they've been doing, do they? No, they don't. And and again, some of that's because the company they're working for shifts the process every couple months or every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So the whispers are, don't worry about it. It'll be over soon. And uh, so we we lose them that way. Uh, I'll tell you one other thing that's, I think, unique that I've, I've done. And and I'm, I'm happy to share this thought with every sales trainer out there. I don't, I usually typically work with big companies, a lot of Fortune 500s. In my contracts, I rarely will sign a contract now that doesn't, within the contract, um, I don't want to say force, but encourage the customer to allow me to spend a half a day with management, teaching them implementation benchmarks, how to use job aids. Stuart, how to give feedback so they don't damage a person who's trying a new golf swing. And guess what? When you try a new golf swing, first you're going to lose a little distance, and then you'll gain the distance. So we have to teach people how to compassionately deliver feedback that's balanced. When we don't do that, when we just blow into town, teach a new process, management frequently sitting back there on their iPhones or their smartphones, not really engaged, but observing the training. No, they go through it just like everybody else. They're taken aside and taught how to implement it, how to evaluate and give feedback. And now we can support the process. Now we can teach it and keep it taught. Do you know something? If uh, if somebody teaches me a new go a new golf swing, uh, Rob, I'm not going to lose distance. I'm going to be losing balls. So I need somebody who's going to give very gentle feedback and probably a large bucket of balls as well. So so let's get to to the to the to the thing that's probably going through people's minds at the moment, which is what's that one valuable free action or free resource? I've sort of got something queued up that will come on the bottom now that that might help them with sort of going through when they're thinking about some of this stuff and. I'll put up about something here where you might be able to find some of that free, value, valuable free resources that Rob's talking about. Well, there's a, there's a couple. Um, and and I have two in a thought. So two are um, a valuable resource that I try and offer is uh, one, I have a podcast. Um, you can find that on my website. Two, I actually write something called a blarticle. I trademarked that. 12 years ago. I, I, I have no intentions of hogging the word. I just didn't want to build a brand and have somebody trademark it and take it from me. But I, I love the ideas of a blog. My problem with a blog was always, they just, uh, you know, you had a tuna fish sandwich. How does that help me? What did I learn from you eating a tuna fish sandwich? So I like that personal nature of a blog. I, I, the trainer in me said, where's the whiff them? What's in it for me? Where's that piece? So, so I actually created, trademarked, and, and got a circle R on it of something called a blarticle. I've been writing it for 12 years. I write one every two weeks uh, in a very compulsive fashion, and it's my way of dripping out information slowly. And I will tell you a story of how I had a wonderful conversation with Stuart, but that story won't end without something that Stuart and Rob found together that will be of value to you. And that's what makes, that's that blog article. That's uh, something I'm very proud of. So 
those are some things that that I offer, you know, in books and things like that. Um, but uh, I guess the only other thing is, and it's just a word of advice, and and I I slipped it out. I'm just going to repeat it. Don't just learn, master. So, and that is, that's the, that's like the kind of unfun part. It's fun, that initial learning, uh, but mastering it, that's the, that's the challenge. And that's where you hear a musician put in, you know, a thousand hours on a song and things like that. Uh, if a musician puts in a thousand hours to play a song, why can't we put in half that much and master a process? So let's let's really uh, once it's taught and it's and it's taught right and you liked it, don't fall out of love with it because you're doing it a lot uh, for the, that audience is the first time they've ever seen it. That's a brilliant point. Thank you, Rob. Tell me, is there a particular concept or a book or talk other than your own books, I guess, that has really been influential in your uh, in your career that you'd like to sort of inspire other people with? Well, I have six books, but I'm only going to let me highlight just two of them quickly. One of them, I, I wrote the great American sales book. Simon & Schuster published it a lot. It's great. And people love it. But I always had this dream of talking to everyone, not just card-carrying salespeople, parents. We, you know, we, I want to teach people how to take an idea and put it in somebody else's brain and make them feel like they thought of it. And I really thought, why are we just talking about salespeople on that? How could that not help a manager, anybody? So uh, for me, uh, I, there's two books. One is How to Change Minds, The Art of Influence Without Manipulation. And, it, and you won't see dollar signs and you won't see the, you know, the banner, I'll make you more money. And now uh, it's a cat and a mouse. It's, it's how we communicate and the ethics and, and the responsibility to help people who fear change, change those minds before it's too late. And then the other book, which I just completed, it's really a departure for me. I've been in a space helping people who are uh, challenged in career uh, transition. And I, after 10 years of meeting and coaching and mentoring, I saw certain patterns. So I wrote a book called Why People Don't Believe You. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it deals more with, think about it as a trilogy. We teach people how to sell. We teach them why now to sell. But we've got to teach them the tune. You know, a lot of times we say, okay, we write something down. Somebody will look at it and go, okay, on an elevator pitch or whatever it is. So I'll just say that and then people will believe me. And we don't spend enough time with, well, what about the pitch of your voice? What about the pace of your conversation? What about where you place your pauses? What about getting into character? What about all the other things that surround I don't like the word soft skills, if you don't mind. It demeans the process. Let's call them performance skills, but for you and me. What about all those pieces around those performance skills? So those are two books, and they're the most, my most recent. I'm very proud of all my books. They're like my children. But those those are kind of where the action is for me these days. I, I, I think that's a really valuable point, actually, Rob, because I, I, I much earlier in my career went off because I thought that I needed to learn how to be a better speaker because it would help me when I was in front of people, but not only in sales situations, but also when I'm motivating staff and such like. And I went off and I joined organizations that helped me to become a better public speaker. And I think you're right. I learned a lot from that about not only where to put your hands when you're talking to somebody, but, but how to pace and how to react. And I learned the very important lesson 
of to not to use the word but when you're talking to them because that becomes one of those confrontational things i was taught very carefully that you have to use the word and 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 is a building word but is a is a conversation stopper and those lessons stayed with me for a you know for a long long time stayed with me till, till now and so often those are not brought into conversations that people need to have around selling right you're right. You know what? You know what the operative word here is, in my opinion, and it really sums up a lot of things we're talking about right now. Authenticity. How do you become authentic? You know, at the end of the day, even when if I'm interviewing for a job, I may not get all the words right. I may I may fumble here and slow down there. Oh, I didn't even bring the document I wanted to bring. But if I'm authentic and you believe me, uh, all that begins to to fade a little bit. It's it's strange when I ask people to tell me the characteristics of salespeople that you know that they really admire. A lot of times they'll talk about um, well, they get people to believe them and they and there's trust and they're honest and and uh, but when you ask them, well, what do you think they're doing that makes people feel that way? They actually struggle, and it's the oldest lesson in the book. They typically ask questions and they listen. And yeah. when we ask questions and listen and then use the information we're getting. So not just say, I really like this coffee mug that I brought, but, but rather say, you know, Stuart, when you had said earlier, we wanted to have a, an easy conversation. I brought a mug. I'm tying it to our conversation. It becomes more authentic. Now I'm, I'm not crowbarring information in. We're having a cup of coffee together. And I like that. Yes. yes, yes. Cheers to you, sir. Uh, that's, that's what we want, not just between you and me. We want that out there with our clients, with our families, with our friends. We do that. Everything else will fall in line. Terrific. Rob, uh, I now give you the, the easy, the easy ball here. This is the, this is the underarm softball that I'm throwing at you. No sliders here. What's the question that I should have asked you that you would have preferred me to ask and then tell us, tell us the answer question let's see um how about this one because i'm asked this a lot can anybody sell uh, you know i am the sales uh, trainer of the, sales trainer of the stars can anybody sell and the answer is absolutely and i'm not just saying that i'm telling you that i, I could show you a case studies well i can give you one person right off the bat someone you probably never heard of name of ben feldman i think the greatest salesperson who ever lived uh, rarely do I bump into anybody uh, who outside of the insurance industry who's ever heard of him. And that's interesting to me because he wrote some books that just didn't sell. He was deathly afraid to sell in public, uh, uh, not sell to speak in public. He sold plenty in public. But I got to meet him and, and just real fast. But when I'm telling you the greatest, I mean, when they're with a pool of a quarter of a million insurance agents and the number two person across the country selling $52 million worth of insurance, which is a good year. Ben Feldman was selling 153, 155 million. He would triple number two. Now think of that statistically. So we all imagine what he must look like, this power keg of a human being, somewhat like this rocket ship Rob Jollis. People aren't looking at videos of me, are they? And uh, but But Ben Feldman stood about five foot three. I got to meet him. He had hair like Larry on the Three Stooges. He he spoke with a distinct pronounced lisp. He didn't possess one attribute you'd associate with the stereotypical salesperson. And by the numbers, he sold more than anyone else. So I get to say he may have been the greatest salesperson who ever lived. What that reminds, inspires me 
to remember is that as long as I commit to who I am, what I've got, uh, I, I may mumble, but I'll mumble better than any other human being. Uh, as long as I commit to what I have and not try and be something I'm not, there's nobody who can't sell or present or run a podcast or any of the other things that people think there are barriers to because they don't have the classic, uh, you know, attributes. Not necessary. Do you know something? The, one of the greatest salesmen I came across never sold me anything. I bought from him largely because I thought this guy cares about everything I do. And that was the secret to whatever he did. He never, ever tried to sell. He just yep. helped me understand what my what my need was and then went, I can help you satisfy that need. Would you like me to help you? And I kept yep. saying, yeah. Yep. And Stuart, I know what he did and I wasn't even there. I'm telling <laughs> you, he sat back, he created an authentic conversation and he listened and he asked questions, probably many of which he already knew the answers, but he let you paint the picture. And by doing that, you walk away going, I don't know, I, but I really like the guy. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. But anyway, Absolutely. cheers to him. Absolutely. Rob, this has been a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us talking. Uh, listen, if you want to get in uh, like, uh, like Alfred, who was, who was watching as we sort of did this uh, live, uh, let me encourage you to just go on to our website. What we do is if you go to this link, which is tca.fyi forward slash subscribe, that's tca.fyi forward slash subscribe, and you put yourself on the newsletter list. We send out an email at the beginning of the week and basically say who's coming up on the on the podcast this week. So you can join live. You can sort of come in with your comments. You can ask and you can get here. People like Rob giving us brilliant advice that you just can't get. And you know, in, well, until such time as you bought his books, which I do encourage you to go and do. But even if you don't buy his books, come and listen to this podcast again. Listen to some of that great advice that Rob's got. Uh, and really appreciate your time, Rob. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. It was an absolute pleasure. I, 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 you're my kind of interviewer because what did we do? We had an authentic conversation. We shared a cup we, of coffee. We had an authentic conversation. Thank you so much indeed, Rob. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye.